0: Today's episode was requested by a member of the e-commerce badassery Facebook group, and I was actually pretty excited when the idea came up because while I have talked about this here or there on the podcast for whatever reason, I never thought of dedicating an entire episode to it. So thank you, Christina, for the idea. And I know order fulfillment isn't the sexiest topic ever, but it does take a good portion of your time and resources as an e-commerce business, so it's definitely worth optimizing. Since the exact process that works for your business is going to be different than the next business, I'll do my best to give you a few different ideas so that you can pick and choose what will make the most sense for you. Generally, I'm going to speak as if you have a wide assortment of products since that is the most complicated setup. But if you don't have a large assortment of product, you can completely simplify this process. First, I wanna start with a high level run through of how we used to fulfill order so you can get the full picture and then we'll break it down into some more specifics. So step number one, print out all the packing slips for the orders that need to be fulfilled. Step number two, pick the orders one by one and place them in the staging area with its packing slip. We'll talk more about this, but we did find it easier and more organized to pick an entire order from beginning to end and there were less errors. Step number three, you pack the order on the packing table, leaving it unsealed with the packing slip in it. And then step four, you weigh the package, ship the order, seal up the box, and affix the shipping label. Essentially, you're batching each step in the process, focusing on one task at a time versus doing the entire process from beginning to end order by order. 99% of the time, batching tasks, any task, is going to be more efficient because your brain doesn't have to switch between them. And of course, if you have multiple people, they can each focus on the one thing they have to do so they can do it well. This also allows for checks and balances in the process. You've got the first step where you're picking the items, and then you have the opportunity to check that order one more time before it gets packed in the box. All right, so before we dive into each of those steps, let's back up a second. Because before you can pick and pack efficiently, you need to think about the setup of your warehouse. This is arguably one of the most important steps because if it isn't set up in an efficient manner, especially when you have a lot of product variants, you're gonna waste a lot of time looking for the items you need to put in your order. To start, you'll wanna set up a bin system even if you're not using physical bins. I recommend you use a combination of letters and numbers, each row or half a row, depending how large your warehouse is being a letter, and using numbers for the particular bin that product variant is in. So for example, you'd have row A bins one through 50. You'll also wanna make sure that each bin only holds one variant. When you're picking items, you don't want to have to dig through looking for the right size, color, or scent. You just want to know that this bin has a specific item in a specific color in a specific size. The only time I would deviate from this is if the items are really easy to tell apart. For instance, if we had apparel that came in multiple colors and they were packed in poly bags, then maybe we would put both the black and the red smalls in the same bin if we were really short on space but honestly i would leave that as a last resort the more mindless and foolproof you can make the picking process the better you'll also want to think about where you put specific items the most popular item should be closest to your staging area or where you collect your orders and the least being the furthest away The only thing you have to be careful of is as you grow, if you have multiple people picking orders, you don't want them tripping over each other. So maybe you want the first 10 bins in your first three rows to have the most popular product versus putting them all in the same row. And of course, I'm no friggin' warehouse expert. As your business grows, you can actually hire people to come and optimize the setup of your warehouse for you. They'll tell you where to put things based on the velocity that it sells, how big it is, how to keep the best flow in the warehouse. It doesn't come cheap. So only the biggest of businesses really need this, but know that it's an option. Next up, you'll want to think about how you can set up an assembly line for your fulfillment process. At a minimum, you'll want an area where you collect the orders as they're picked and then a separate table that is used only for the actual packing of the order. Even if it's just you picking and packing right now, the sooner you can build in these habits, the better. On your packing table, you want access to everything you need to pack an order all in that one place. If you use tissue paper, I would leave that laid out on the top of the table. Then you can have your three to four most popular box sizes on a shelf underneath. If you have stickers, I would affix them to the wall along with some organizers for pens, markers, etc. This table should only ever have what you need to pack an order on it. You don't want anything else in the way. So let's talk about actually picking the order. There are a few different standard ways warehouses will set this up depending on their needs. And The first is piece packing, and that's where you pick an entire order from beginning to end, all in one shot. This is the most straightforward and easiest to implement. You also have batch picking. So this is where you'll pick multiple orders at a time and then bring them all to the staging area once they're picked. It's similar to piece picking because you're picking an entire order, but you're doing more than one at a time. So it's more efficient for larger spaces. So you don't have to walk back and forth from the product to the staging area as often. This can also work for many of you, especially if you have a high volume of orders and lots of best sellers. If they're picking five orders at once who all have the same item, then you can pick that item for five orders all at one time. You've also got something called zone picking. This is really reserved for those who have very large warehouses, but essentially one picker is assigned to a zone. They pick everything in the order that is housed in that zone, and then it gets passed on to another picker in the next zone. And then lastly is wave picking. This is essentially a combination of zone and batch picking. So you pick a batch of orders in one zone and then it gets passed on to the next zone. For 99% of you, I would recommend piece or batch picking. They're the most straightforward, the easiest to implement, and are perfectly efficient for smaller warehouse spaces. And this is what we did in my previous day job and it worked just fine. A couple of other tips when it comes to picking orders. If you have a high volume of orders that regularly includes multiple units, multiple items, you'll want some separate bins that you can use to collect the items for each order. So think of it like a shopping basket you pick up at the store. This way you can collect those picked orders in a staging area as they wait to be packed and you don't have to worry about things getting mixed up. And then before we move on, I want to talk about packing slips. Remember we talked about assigning bins to all of your products so you can easily find those items? Well, how are you supposed to know where the product is? Where should you even store this information? Up until Shopify added metafields, you were quite limited in the amount of data you could store about a product. In fact, back in the day before we upgraded to using ShipStation, we had a reference sheet where we would look up the product locations and handwrite them on the pick slips every day. Now, back then, we didn't have all that many SKUs or that many orders, so it wasn't a big deal. So in the beginning, that might be fine for you too. You do have the option of storing the location in a variant metafield, but at the time of this recording, Shopify's order printer app or their built-in packing slips apparently can't see the metafield, so even if you add it to the template, it won't actually show up on your document. You could add it to your SKU or barcode field, which are both accessible on those templates, but that only works if those fields aren't connected to anything else. At this point, if you don't want to do it the manual way, your only option is a third-party app or a shipping platform like ShipStation. At the time of this recording, I do not have any other individual app solutions, but I'm still researching and I'm waiting for a response from someone, so I'll be sure to make an update if I find a good one. If you have one please hit me up on Instagram and let me know. And then a last note here is in many cases, you can add image thumbnails to your pick slips, which can be really helpful for some product assortments. Shopify's built-in pick slip, which are somewhat new. I honestly have no idea when they were added. I only discovered them recently. They already have this, which is super cool. If you're using order printer, you can add it to the template. It's not necessary for everyone, but can be really helpful for verification purposes. All right, so let's talk about the actual packing of the order. Now, how you do this is going to, of course, depend on your product and brand. But I want you to think about the packaging you use. First things first, boxes versus poly bags. In most cases, unless what you sell is fragile, you can get away with using poly bags instead of cardboard boxes. They're going to be less expensive, they weigh less, and they're more forgiving in terms of the size of items you put in them. The one trick with poly bags is that when you close them, you'll want to fold them over as tight as you can before you seal them. Don't leave a bunch of extra bag at the end with nothing in them because all shipping carriers use conveyor belts and they can get caught. If you need a little cushioning, try a bubble mailer. If you do need to use rigid cardboard boxes, know that in most cases, it's going to be cheaper to use regular boxes where you pay based on the dimensional weight versus using flat rate boxes from USPS. Yes, if it fits, it ships sounds easier and technically it is, but generally more expensive. The other thing to remember here is that the fewer different sizes of packaging that you have, the more efficient your packing process will be. Why do you think you get small items in way too big boxes from big retailers? Because they don't have the time to find the perfect box size. That doesn't mean you want to be wasteful like them, especially because you were charged based on the size of the box. But the point is, you don't need 10 different box sizes. In fact, once your volume starts growing and you're negotiating your own rates with the shipping carriers, fewer box sizes means you'll be able to negotiate better rates. Now, on to the shipping process, the actual purchasing of the labels. It's pretty self explanatory, but there are a few key things I want to mention. Now, wherever you're shipping from, you'll obviously need a scale, and you should definitely invest in a thermal label printer. My favorite is the Rollo. Thermal printers don't use ink, which will save you a ton of money over time, and of course, being able to print a sticker label is a lot better than using regular paper that you have to tape over or put into a little plastic sleeve. You'll also want to make sure you're shipping through a third party like Shopify Shipping or ShipStation as you'll get much better rates through them versus paying retail rates directly to the carrier. And buying shipping labels is another reason why having fewer box sizes is better because you need to include the size of the package to determine what you have to pay and with just a few standard sizes you can save those packages and then just have to enter the weight. Side note, Once you start using your own accounts versus through the third party, you can technically be less accurate in your inputs because the carrier will adjust the charge on their end. So if you think you got something cheap, just know they're going to fix it. Also, in general, you should get well acquainted with dimensional shipping weights because just one inch in any direction can significantly increase your shipping costs. So maybe instead of longer, you need to go wider or deeper in the box sizes you're buying. The quickest and easiest way to see dimensional weight shipping in action is with Pirate Ship. It's free to get an account and you can get quotes on there as well. PirateShip is best for subscription boxes when you're sending multiple of the same exact size box, but it's a great tool to just punch in some different box dimensions and see how that changes your rates So you can start to wrap your head around this whole dimensional weight shipping thing. Oh my gosh. So that was a lot of information I know. And like I said at the beginning, if you have a smaller business or product assortment, not all of this is necessary for you. Take what makes sense for your business right now or what you have the capacity to implement right now and continue to refine the process. I also recommend that you start keeping track of how long it takes you to pick and pack orders so you can measure whether or not your changes are actually helping. The easiest way to do this is to just take the total time you spent picking and packing orders from the moment you printed your pick slip to when you shipped the last order and divide that by the number of orders you processed. That will give you an average. That's your baseline. Then you can continue to measure and see how you're doing. If it's taking you five minutes on average now, you're probably not gonna get to a minute per order. That would be impossible. But even if you only save yourself 30 seconds or a minute per order, that time savings is gonna add up and it's gonna free up your capacity to process more orders with the same amount of staff. Not too shabby. So I'd love to know where you're at in your fulfillment journey what was your biggest takeaway or aha moment from today's episode? Please come share it with me on Instagram or in the eCommerce Badassery Facebook group. And check the show notes for today's episode in your podcast player or at eCommerce forward slash 129 because I'm going to share some more episodes to help you streamline your processes and generally just get more done in less time in your business. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I so, so appreciate it. And I'll see you on the flip side, friend.